Imagine if you received a dollar for every time you've heard someone complain about Mondays. Then add a dollar to that pile every time you've seen a piece of merchandise cursing Mondays. Then add a dollar for every time you've personally complained about the first day of the work week. Kind of crazy when you think about it, right? How much time do we invest in complaining about something that happens as habitually as a day of the week? Never a surprise, never a day late or early, never shortened or lengthened out. The only things as consistent as Mondays are the six other days of the week. But why do we single out Monday? Maybe it's because it's the start of the work week. Maybe it's because we're unprepared for something that lies in the week ahead. Maybe we haven't shaken off something from the week before. Maybe we just feel the need to complain about something collectively as a species. Whatever it may be, it highlights a rudimentary flaw in many people's approach towards the inevitable. This attitude usually trickles over into other aspects of our lives, often showing up in places we don't want it to. We go to the gym and we get discouraged because of the time we took off. We go to learn a new language and we talk ourselves out of it before we can even get into a rhythm. The beginning of anything worth doing is generally difficult, but it only becomes more difficult when our approach is negative and filled with pessimism. So who do we look at as the master of manifestation, the alpha of achievements, the emperor of initiation? Michael Jordan. Jordan's once-in-a-generation talent and work ethic propelled the Jumpman to the top of athletic folklore. He's so iconic, if someone says Jordan, we immediately know who they're talking about. Now, if we're looking for an excuse, we blame his height or natural athleticism, but he wasn't the tallest, he didn't jump the highest or run the fastest, and he certainly wasn't the strongest. What made Jordan the best, and more importantly, the master of himself, was his mindset. At the peak of his career, when his only true competition was his last performance, Jordan said that the game was more mental than it was physical. This comment highlights something that often goes overlooked with something as physical as contact sports. The mental approach is by far the most important aspect. In the popular 30 for 30 documentary, The Last Dance, one of Jordan's teammates asked why he was so sure he could make a particular shot. What his teammate was really questioning was Jordan's confidence, which oftentimes was mistaken as arrogance. Jordan said that he simply never thought about missing a shot he hadn't taken yet. It was that simple to him. If given a chance, he was going to approach that chance with optimism and fearlessness. This optimism is not only contagious amongst your personal endeavors, but it plays as a source of energy for others to feed off as well. Need proof? Take the story of Roger Bannister as an example. In 1954, at the age of 25, Bannister completed one of the most notable feats in human history. It set the precedent for what we viewed as possible and made us re-examine our body's capacity and our mind's limitations. Bannister didn't travel through time or grow back a limb like a lizard, but he did something at the time that was considered just as impossible. On the afternoon of May 6th at Oxford University, Bannister changed the world by running a mile in less than four minutes. Up until that point, it was written off as impossible for the human body to run the speed it would take, which is about 24 kilometers per hour, to complete a mile, 1.6 kilometers, in less than four minutes. Scientists were stunned. The world was shocked, and Bannister was deemed as the fastest man to ever live. 
for about two months. Not even 25 years later, Bannister's number was beaten by almost 10 seconds, and before the 20th century was over, a Moroccan man named Hisham El-Gruj set a new record at 3 minutes, 43 seconds, and 13 milliseconds in Rome. So what happened? Did shoe technology drastically improve? No. It was a simple phenomenon of mind over matter. Once humans simply rebuked the idea that a four-minute mile was impossible, everything changed. Since then, 1,400 athletes have broken the record and it's become a benchmark of professional middle distance running. Now imagine if this principle was applied to everything we did within the laws of physics as a species. I will go as far to say it's imperative to approach everything this way. It's the first step to becoming truly self-sufficient, the ability to self-start. People who get things done don't wait for the perfect timing or the most comfortable path to reveal itself. They move, knowing that when enough energy is applied to an action, the world has no choice but to move around it. That's the science behind change. Change is a ripple effect, as every moment affects the next. Understanding this ripple effect is important for two reasons. Number one, the butterfly effect. Within the realm of chaos theory, there's a definition for the title of the sci-fi flick where Ashton Kutcher goes endgame on his childhood self. A quick Google search will show that the butterfly effect is defined as the sensitive dependence on initial conditions in which a small change in one state of a deterministic nonlinear system can result in a large difference in a later state. Boiled down, an event as small as the flapping of a butterfly's wings could change the course of history. If you're starting something, the more positive force you put towards it, the further along that positivity will carry. Number two, the Marines. In 2016, while on a team trip to Hawaii for the Pearl Harbor Classic, my teammates and I got a chance to meet a U.S. Marine. We were blown away by his stories and the discipline with which he lived his life, long after his days of service were over. When it was time for discussion, the first question thrown his way put a cliche under the spotlight. Do you guys really make your beds as soon as you get out of it in the morning? Without hesitation, he answered, absolutely, I still do it to this day. When asked why, he said that you start your day off by proving to yourself you can execute something. Think about that. A task as small as making your bed in the morning increases your mind's ability to execute any task it is given. I say this so confidently because there's actual science behind this theory. We'll get into neurological pathways in chapter four, but the point is, it's been proven to work for generations, and it's not something that's exclusive to any particular group. I feel guilty and full of it if I threw all these examples into this book without sharing my personal experience with this approach. In the summer of 2017, I found myself on a flight heading towards Warsaw, Poland. I was starting my professional playing career there, and truth be told, I wasn't happy about it. I wanted more. But something nagged at me to be present and go into the season with optimism and a positive attitude. The amenities weren't glamorous. Our team found some success, but for the most part, the season was a learning experience. Yet even still, when people question me about that time, I genuinely smile and say, it was the best year of my life so far. That year, I turned a corner on several fronts. 
I got in touch with my spirituality on the deepest level and still feed off that energy to this day. I established a new love for the game of basketball and that passion allowed me to play with a peace of mind that I never could tap into before. It turned me into one of the top producing rookies in Europe and empowered me to average just short of a double-double on the season. I also spent the year getting in touch with who I was outside of the game. With my cheap laptop, I spent my days off in a local cafe, honing my writing skills and learning as much as I could about the art of screenwriting. I actually started writing this book in that same cafe. When I got back, my friends noticed a glow about me and wondered would it change. I was questioned on everything from the women I met to the money I made. At first, I couldn't articulate what was responsible for the new me. I thought about it for days and I realized I had a natural and newfound excitement towards the future, coupled with an appreciation for the past and present. Everything I started, every day I woke up, every chance I got to do something new filled me with glee because of the optimism towards what was to come. On my way to Poland, I hesitantly leaned into the idea of starting a new life. But afterwards, I couldn't wait to take my next step. And it was all due to a simple change in my attitude. Now back to Mondays. Imagine a week where instead of starting off by complaining about how god-awful it certainly will be, we look forward to the potential good that could be awaiting us. How much better do the chances of the week being a good one become just by adjusting our attitude? The reality is, this is the only thing we have control over, our attitudes. Here's something to think about. What do athletes and the armed forces have in common that make them both masters of the self-start? A lifestyle repetition. From the way they eat to how they motivate themselves before competing, Everything these two groups do is repetitive. The best part is, there's no such thing as someone born as a Marine or an athlete. So these superhuman-like skills come from hijacking the very human need to be a creature of habit. Repetition is the name of almost every game there is. Anyone can get hot or lucky for a moment, but nine times out of 10, what separates the good from the great is a sustained, highly positive output. So much so that the individual in question does what seems to be extraordinary with ease. But here's a little known secret. This task is once again something that people make out to be impossible in their minds because of the magnitude of the bigger picture. It's not a matter of maximum output time and time again, nearly as much as it's a matter of repeated maximum effort on smaller steps. Believe it or not, this is the part that leaves most people stumped. Will Smith, one of the greatest and most accomplished actors of our time, is an anomaly to say the least. As the world watched a silly, wisecracking kid from West Philadelphia turn into an automatic blockbuster maker, how did he do it was often questioned. He said it started with a lesson his father gave him when he was a kid. The story goes, his father gave him and his younger brother a project to build a wall for a business. They were kids. They never built a wall, so they grew frustrated. Their father told them not to try to build a wall. Instead, lay each brick as perfect as a brick can be laid, and eventually, you'll have a wall. The lesson was really rooted in the discipline to focus on the small details that eventually make up the big picture. Merriam-Webster defines discipline as 
The practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. Now, I don't think punishment is necessarily needed, but it is a practice of training. The first key word in this sentence is practice and meaning. Discipline is not something that people have or lack through genetics. Rather, it's a practice action. Everyone's personal journey is filled with distractions, roadblocks, and mislabeled turn here signs. A huge portion of self-mastery is rooted in a person's ability to know when to say when and how to start and stop. You must have the discipline to stay focused on what it is you want and the discipline to avoid things that veer you off that path. No path is linear, but too many turns in the same direction means you're going in circles. If I had to break down discipline into an analogy, I'd say, think of a horse. Not just any horse, but the strongest, most beautiful horse you could imagine. Then imagine a chain link wrapped around the horse's ankle. That chain link is hooked to a chain that's hooked to the side of the house. The horse, unaware of the chain link or the chain or the fact that it's connected to the house, takes off. I'm gonna stop this story here, but as you can imagine, something's gonna break. The horse represents your thoughts and emotions. The chain is the boundaries your subconscious mind has put on your conscious mind to keep you safe. And whatever breaks occur are the parts of you that are, for the most part, beyond repair. But imagine if there weren't a chain at all, because the owners of the horse knew that the horse was either not going to run away or knew exactly the spot it had to return to. That trust is discipline. The ability to know your thoughts and emotions won't uncontrollably run away if you break certain chains. Now the owners of the horse don't just take the chains off one day and hope the horse doesn't run off. They have to run some form of experiment in order to see what the horse will do. Maybe they lengthen the fence foot by foot. Maybe they lengthen the chain yard by yard. Maybe they know there's only so far the horse could go before it sees a tree line it can't cross. Regardless of what scenario we make up, the trust is only afforded through the practice of lengthening what's viewed as discipline, little by little. Put simply, treat it like growing a muscle. One day of exercise doesn't visibly strengthen a muscle, but one month of doing the same exercise every day does. It all starts in the mind, and a negative mind cannot produce a positive life.